the Bible Study Podcast, episode 276. Today, the Bible Study Podcast wraps up a study on the kingdom of God. Welcome to the Bible Study Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Christensen. I apologize if you're being taken aback by the fact that we're wrapping this up because we just finished three Gospels, but it turns out there's only one reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospel of John, and we'll be looking at that today, and then be looking at a couple more verses in Acts, and then we'll wrap up this whole thing. So in John, the only reference to the kingdom of God is a familiar one, and it's Jesus and Nicodemus. Now, there was a Pharisee, a man named Nicodemus, who was a member of the Jewish ruling council. He came to Jesus at night and said, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher who has come from God, for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the Spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, but the Spirit gives birth to Spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. How can this be? Nicodemus asked. You are Israel's teacher, said Jesus. And do you not understand these things? Very truly I tell you, we speak of what we know, and we testify to what we have seen. But still you people do not accept our testimony. I have spoken to you of earthly things, and you do not believe. How then will you believe if I speak of heavenly things? No one has gone into heaven except the one who has come from heaven, the Son of Man. Just as Moses lifted up the snake into the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, so that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light, because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light, and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light, so that it may be seen plainly that what they have done has been done in the sight of God. We're not necessarily going to talk about all the conversation between Jesus and Nicodemus, but let's put this in context. Nicodemus is a teacher of the law. He's a Pharisee. And the Pharisees in general, even this early in John, have been opposing Jesus. Jesus is seen as a threat. They have some problems with him and what he is saying. But Nicodemus is perceptive and says, I see what this man does. He must be sent from God. But he still has some fear. He doesn't want to be associated with Jesus. And so he comes by night. Now, that is interesting for us to know, because remember, at the end of this conversation, Jesus is talking about things that are done by light and things that are done by darkness. So the fact that Nicodemus is coming by night has to be put into that context. This is one of those conversations with Jesus where Nicodemus is having one conversation and Jesus is skipping ahead to a different conversation. 
So Nicodemus comes and he says, we know that you're a teacher, you've come from God. And immediately Jesus talks about being born again or born from above, depending on your translation. But a second birth, certainly Nicodemus is picking up this idea of a second birth and saying, how can I be born again? And we have to put this in a context here that, again, we're talking about the kingdom of God. No one can see the kingdom of God unless they're born again. We've talked about this thing that the kingdom of God is a whole different world order. It's a place or a system where things fall under the authority of God. And I say a place, and I don't mean like people were expecting in last week's episode, someplace with lines on a map. But that in a particular place or at a particular time or in this group or within your life or within my life, when we are aligned with God's authority, that we have entered into the kingdom of God. And we have looked at these verses here in the study on the kingdom of God about the kingdom of God being at hand and yet the kingdom of God still coming. That the kingdom of God is already here and is working its way out, is working through us and in us as God's purposes are put into effect, but also that a more perfect perfection of that, a more perfect version of that is coming with the second coming of Jesus, as we looked at last week. But in this verse, we get basically Jesus saying, it's not just that you change citizenship, which is kind of the metaphor that we have used to date, that basically you change citizenship, you change from here where the authority is, where the authority is the devil and the rules and the ways that things work are under his authority, to over here where Jesus is in charge and the rules and authority and way things work is the way that God wants them to work. So we've talked about that as a change of citizenship, but Jesus talks about as a whole new life. And that, of course, becomes a very popular metaphor, not just in the rest of the New Testament and the epistles, but also in modern day Christianity as we talk about being born again, or at least we do within certain Christian traditions, more in some than others. But basically, this idea that in baptism, as Paul talks about in Romans, that we die with Christ in baptism and that we are raised a new man. And that was the understanding of the early churches that that act of baptism was the ending of one life and the starting of another. And then we also deal with in the epistles, especially Paul's epistles, how basically if you are someone who dies, that all of your obligations, your guilt and those things die with you. And so as you are raised a new person, then the slate has been wiped clean. So Jesus opens up this conversation with Nicodemus and says, it's a new start. You need to be born again of the spirit. You need to be born of water and the spirit. And certainly water in there, we think of baptism, as I think we should. And the spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, being that part of God that dwells within us, empowers us motivates us, convicts us, and connects us to God, that basically that power of the Holy Spirit being in us and that presence of the Holy Spirit in us being both the evidence that we are in the kingdom of God and our connection to God through the Holy Spirit. But Nicodemus isn't understanding what's going on. Now, we have to give Nicodemus some credit because a lot of people haven't understood Jesus so far. In fact, the disciples still have trouble understanding Jesus 
in the last week of his earthly ministry. We really have trouble understanding what Jesus is getting at because Jesus is talking about one thing and we're often expecting something else. And we dealt with that last week as we dealt with the kingdom of God and their understanding the kingdom of God is lines on a map and a man on a throne. And so Nicodemus is having some trouble understanding how he, as a grown man, can be born again, how he can crawl into his mother's womb again, which certainly she would not be in favor with. And Jesus says, why is it that you as Israel's teacher don't understand these things? I speak of heavenly things. In this passage, he makes the claim very clearly to Nicodemus that he is God's son, that he has been to heaven and has come back and knows these things. Now, you have to understand that that makes him either God's son or a blasphemer, especially as he's talking here to a teacher of the law. Now, it's significant to note that one of the last verses we have of Nicodemus in the Gospels is when Nicodemus goes with Joseph of Arimathea to claim Jesus' body, to go put it in the tomb, when all else have fled him, that Nicodemus is one of the few people who stands up and is willing to be associated with him in public at a time where everyone else was afraid to be, at a time when it looked like Jesus had been defeated. And it's interesting here, as John talks about Jesus and Nicodemus, he flows into those well-known verses of John three sixteen, As Jesus is talking about the kingdom of God and our entering in the kingdom of God through rebirth and the water and the spirit, he says that his whole purpose, the whole reason that he has come down from heaven is because God loved the world. And when we say so loved the world, we don't mean so much. We mean in this way. We might even be better to say God loved the world so that he sent his only son, so that whoever believes in him might have eternal life, and that God didn't send Jesus in the world to condemn it, but to save the world through him, and to save us from the world. Again, from Colossians, rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. So what have we picked up about the kingdom of God? Who's in charge? Jesus. Whose ways do things work? The ways that God wants. Is that different than the way the world works? Yes. Are there some who are in and some who are out? Yes. Is the kingdom of God obvious? Lines on a map, man on a throne? No. Will it be more obvious later on? Absolutely. As obvious as the lightning flashing from the east to the west. And then after Jesus' resurrection... This, the teaching in the Bible about the kingdom of God doesn't stop. In Acts 1-3, after his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Jesus' whole ministry, as he ties here together in John, in John 3, is the bringing of the kingdom of God and the bringing us out of our bondage into that kingdom, that the kingdom of God is for us that salvation from the bondage of sin and death. And then after Jesus' ascension, people keep talking about the kingdom of God. Acts 
12. When they believed Philip, he proclaimed the good news of the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus. They were baptized, both men and women. Acts 14.22, strengthening the disciples and encouraging them to remain true to their faith. We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God, they said. And this is the ministry of Paul. And going into Acts 19, verse 8, Paul entered the synagogue and spoke boldly there for three months, arguing persuasively about, care to guess what? The kingdom of God. This is a central cornerstone understanding of the Bible and of the New Testament. And it is a central point of Jesus' teaching. And if we learn nothing else from this study, we should understand that Jesus kept talking about the kingdom of God. And in that, we should find some significance. With that, we're going to end this episode of the Bible Study Podcast. Not sure what we're doing next week. I have promised that we were going to do something about the fundamentals of Christianity, and that's probably where we're going next, unless something else strikes me. If you have any questions, feel free to send an email to host at thebiblestudypodcast.com or leave a comment on this episode at thebiblestudypodcast.com. You can also follow me on Twitter at Chris2x or join the Facebook community, thebiblestudypodcast.com on Facebook. And as always, thanks so much for listening. Everyone wants to change the world. Capital Ministries is doing just that, one heart at a time by creating disciples of Jesus Christ among political leaders in the U.S. and foreign nations. For more than 25 years, founder Ralph Drawlinger has written Bible studies specifically for public servants. Study along with us and learn what the Bible says about capitalism, communism, abortion, same-sex marriage, and other contemporary issues. Subscribe and follow us at lifeaudio.com or search Capital Ministries on your favorite podcast platform.